I was like, this stuff is so boring. I'm not gonna put it out. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, sometimes you just get the the uh, you get used to that. You don't even know if it's good or not anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. What's going on today? for tuning in to the 10th episode of the True Shot Guest Spot. Are we right. celebrating? Uh, I guess. Well, I mean, we have an Italian guest on for this week, so let's get some pizza. Oh, I think I'm going to go have lasagna after this. Lasagna? That's Italian. Listen, I don't trust any food that is spelled way differently than how it sounds. Lasagna. Yeah, no, no, forget No? It. No. But anyways, this week on the podcast, we have Federico Ascari. Ascari. And if you're not familiar with Mr. Federico Ascari, who he is, number one, he's been in a bunch of bands, but currently he's in The Wind Covenant, and he's also a uh, producer. Yes. He's worked with some bands like uh, Defamed, Drown in Sulphur, um, uh, Feeder... Feeder to the Sharks? Uh, sharks no. in Your Mouth. Sharks in Your Mouth. Sharks, sharks in, your, in mouth. your Mouth. And, uh, you know, a lot of other really strong up-and-coming Italian bands. Yeah, but he does a whole bunch of different genres. Yeah. Pop. Yeah. He does everything. He does everything. So we talked to him all about that. Um, it, we, I mean, there's just so much in this episode to unpack. I'm looking forward to you guys hearing it. And make sure you check out The Wind Covenant. Yeah. Even if you don't want to listen to this podcast. If you to get to this point, you're like, screw this. Go listen to The Wind Covenant, and... You will not be disappointed. Absolutely not. But without further ado, here is Federico, Federico Ascari, Ascari, producer and guitar player for The, the Wind, Wind Covenant. Covenant. Adam, who do we have on the podcast today? Today. I'm excited today. We had to reschedule this, but we got Federico Ascari from The Wind Covenant, um, as well as other bands that he's worked with and, and done uh, quite a bit of production work. So we'll talk all about that, right? So you, th so that you think that's what he's most known for? Is those two things there? Um, for me, anyways, yeah. Well, he's for, to me, he is most known for adding both Paradigm and Find Me I'm Missing to the Jetcore playlist on Spotify. Woo! There you go. There we go. He added both of our songs to the playlist, so that's what he's most known that. for. No, but no, I'm just Thank kidding. You. But yeah, no, Federico, we're very excited to talk to you. Um, as soon as we heard the first single from your your new project, uh, The Wind Covenant, Damnation, we were just like, we got to find who this is, who to talk to, and we got to make this happen. Yes. And Adam was very excited. So uh, yeah, I know Adam, This is I know that this is... Uh, you're 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 ready to go. So go ahead, man. Start it off for us. Yeah. So for those you know who who don't know who the Wind Covenant is, um, they are the one of the latest projects that Federico is is working on, and they are an Italian, genty prog. They're all over the place, man. I mean, in terms of stylistics, and it, you know, if you haven't heard it, you got to check it out. I wanted to kind of go through the song during the podcast, but. Uh, live, we can't really do that uh, as we record it, so um, easily anyways. We're not set up for it, but we'll talk about it, and it, it just blew our minds, like Rich was saying. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you know who you are, where you come from. Obviously, Italy um, is, is where the band is based out of, but tell us a little bit about 
you know, Federico and, and how this all kind of formed. Because in my head, I've already called you like a, a semi-super group, right? So, I mean, you've all had different projects. You've all been in different bands or are currently in other bands, um, you know, projects doing things. How did this all form? Yeah, yeah, okay. So, uh, first of all, thank you guys for having me. Uh, I'm really happy to be here. And thanks for reacting to uh, our song, Damnation. I'm really happy you guys liked it. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can tell you a bit about myself. I'm an Italian producer, mixing engineer mainly, so that's my main uh, main thing, my main job. And uh, I've been working uh, for the last uh, pretty much nine years, uh, mainly on metal, uh, with, with metal bands, local bands, uh, um, and bigger bands as well. And uh, yeah, uh, I worked with uh, bands such as uh, uh, Defamed, Drowning Sulfur, then I did my own bands, which is this one, The Wind Covenant, and uh, um, in the middle, like, I, I did a ton of uh, metal projects, rock bands, alternative rock, pop punk, uh, uh, synthwave projects, uh, pop projects. I'm, I'm kind of all over the place stylistically, but I think that's what... Uh, makes it interesting for me. So I like a ton of stuff and uh, I try my best to like produce, mix and master uh, all this kind of projects um, in the best way that I can. So that's that's what I do. Um, I started playing when I was uh, a little boy. I was six and I started taking piano lessons and I studied piano for like five or six years. And then uh, actually what happened is that I started playing uh, uh, Tony Hawk for Skater 2. <laughs> Ah, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I've heard uh, uh, the song No Cigar by Millen Collin, and that blew my mind. And then I had to start playing other music. So I blame Tony Oak for getting me into, into music and into music production. And, uh, you know, I started playing guitar and bass, uh, took lessons for a few years. Then uh, uh, I did uni, I took courses for audio engineering, uh, uh, started producing and working with bands in my teenage years. And uh, it kind of snowballed into a full-time job, so I'm really like uh, I'm really glad and uh, um, you know happy that uh, this all came into place this way. And uh, actually, the way uh, the Wind Covenant was born was um, a few years back. Uh, my previous band uh, kind of you know we split up, and uh, I was left uh, without my own project, so I didn't really know what to do. And uh, you know, I, I was working with all these kind of bands. They all had their own style. And uh, I love when producing a band, like I, uh, I want to develop their vision. So they have their own style and I need to like make, the, um, make them the best version of themselves they can be. But I didn't really have my own thing. Uh, so I wanted to do that. And uh, we started working on uh, the Wind Covenant in, uh, at the end of 2016. So wow. it's a while, yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, actually the first lineup wasn't even this one. Like I'm the only remaining member because uh, it was like a yeah, uh, it was uh, super hard to you know uh, find the time for all the members to uh, like um, get together for a very uh, ambitious project like this one because of course I kind of picked the some band members from uh, bands that I work with and uh, <laughs> like other other cool bands. And yeah, I so you know, I chose the the, the members very carefully. Uh, but yeah, uh, after that we started working on uh, on songs and it was kind of like the the person with the vision for the band. Um, 
me and the singer, actually the screamer, uh, were the main composers for the song. Oh, nice. uh, here's a fun fact, actually. Uh, the, the screamer, uh, he's a pretty talented composer. In fact, uh, in his other bands, he was playing like uh, bass guitar. And uh, yeah, he's a, he's a very talented musician. And um, he actually was the bass player in Ember Town, which is a, a band that kind of went viral uh, a couple of years ago on, um, on Dreambound. So oh, that's, okay. that's a fun fact for you guys. Um, mm. But yeah, so uh, me and him wrote most of the songs and then the other guys helped us with their own parts, mm. their arrangements. Yep. And, um, that's pretty much it. We have uh, uh, actually a lot of songs ready, and that's why it took a lot of time. And then we had to balance it between our like day job, my production work, their other bands, because you know they're all busy. Mm-hmm. And we really didn't want to rush this. We wanted to take the time to create something that we were really proud of. And uh, we finally took the you know <laughs> we finally called it a day and released the few the, the first single. Uh, the release went great, and uh, now we have a ton more that we're ready to release. So that's that's who we are. Yeah, I gotta say it blew my mind because we usually, you know, we actually reacted to you guys because of Galactic Criminal, um, yeah, who just basically sent Rich a message and says this is a must do. Um, so that's how we we found out about you. You know what I mean? Which is great because it happens quite a bit um, now. Actually, since then, Galactic Criminal sends us some some good uh, suggestions. So awesome. Um, that's really cool. So you, it, it is kind of like a super group. You've kind of handpicked musicians that you know um, will kind of fit the box. So yeah, no, that's um, you know that's that's pretty cool. So we've also reacted to both Defamed. And Drown and Sulphur. So you did yeah. all the production work for those guys, or did they like record remotely and then send you stems to 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 mix and master and produce, or how did that work? All right. So uh, actually, I I've, uh, I've known those guys for a long time, and their first single, which is an epilogue to the Arrogant, which is the first one that that went viral. We we actually recorded that in my um, uh, apartment that I had in uni, so that was in my living room kind of a random situation but it turned out great in the end and so yeah we developed this relationship and uh, those singles you you reacted to i both uh recorded mix and mastered and also produced them um so so yeah i did i did pretty much everything on those uh i did some design so i added like uh, strings uh, sound effects uh, and stuff like that um we have a really good relationships uh, relationship we're actually very good friends and uh, they have some uh, very cool material coming out next. So nice. uh, I hope you guys will react to that as well. Yeah, because we, we have um, a lot of, uh, we have it on the list. We have uh, In Tenebris or Tenebris by yeah. Defamed on the list yeah. coming out. Because I, I know that Drown and Sulphur and Defamed are essentially the same band minus right. the drummer who's, yeah. uh, listen, he's, he's a lot of things by the sounds of it. But we'll, we'll, that's neither here nor there. We'll, uh, we'll leave that in the past. Defamed is a great project. I mean, when we first heard them, uh, it, it it blew our minds, just like the Wind Covenant. Um, so I was gonna, I was gonna ask you, because um, I you had touched on, and I actually saw that you posted a meme today about your uh, your catalog of uh, your d- different uh, records that you've produced. What yeah. is that? What is that like going between the different styles? Because I know that a lot of producers traditionally kind of stick with one style. Mm-hmm. Um, is, do you find yourself that it, that you know learning new things from you know like a rock or maybe even pop or whatever in metal? Do you, do you find new interesting ideas for whether it's 
um, different, um, you know, like strings or just anything that's not traditionally in metal that you have found from those other types of uh, genres? Absolutely. Man, I think it's so refreshing to do uh, multiple genres and I understand why uh, some producers don't really want to do that or they're more attracted to just one style. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was attracted to only metal for a long time. But, you know, I think uh, that, um, like, music production as well as songwriting is kind of a, a thing about evolution. And uh, I, I, I don't want to say that evolution means, like, uh, different genres for everyone. But I think it does for me because uh, as soon as I started listening to more genres and producing, maybe making beats, uh, like, covering songs in different styles, whatever, I felt super creative and uh, that gave me like a real um, creativity boost in uh, in all the other genres i think it's i mean for me um, i like that and i can't really see myself uh, doing only one genre from now on uh, like you know i have my own preference for stuff some some genres i like more than others but i i kind of like to jump from uh, one project to another one that doesn't share anything stylistically i think uh, you know it's refreshing and keeps things interesting so yeah and for sure um there's like elements that you can take from one genre and put in, into um others uh, to make it more interesting so for example i don't know if you've uh seen the uh gasolina cover by the famed oh uh, yeah i have yeah okay so you'll notice that uh during the chorus and the breakdowns there's like some like reggaeton style uh, percussions in there yeah. in the middle of the breakdown so i don't know uh, i think it was a like a fun addition to that that you know doesn't really take away from them being metal but it kind of like gels the uh, the heaviness with the original uh, concept of the the song so i like that yeah that that song in particular when i saw that they covered that like i remember very vividly being 11 10 years old he listening to that song while playing basketball outside just like a walkman or something like i don't I, i've never really been too much into a lot of like hip-hop hip-hop or rap or anything like that but that song is uh, that song goes hard and then when i saw a, a deathcore cover of it i'm like i got i didn't want to wait for to do a reaction i was like i just gotta watch this uh but that that's that's really interesting uh so adam what we what we've learned oh so go, go ahead I was just saying that when they told me that they were going to cover Gasolina, I was like, please tell me you're not joking because this is going like, <laughs> to be the, the best thing ever. And when yeah. I, I remember when I shared it on my, on my socials for the first time, I was like, this is both the best and the worst thing that I've done. I was so hyped <laughs> for that song to be released. Yeah, I like that. I love that. <laughs> so, Adam, what I got out of all of that is... You know, not that Federico's a very talented producer, but that the Wind Covenant's going to become a boy band eventually. That's what I got out of that. I mean, oh, oh hey, boy, I, no, hey, see that? No. no holds barred, right? No limits <laughs> to creativity. Limits. No, I that um, the Wind Covenant will remain a heavy band because that was the initial concept, and I, you know, I don't really like to, you know, change too much from the initial concept. I think that when you also give yourself like a frame. Um, you want to work within. Uh, I think it makes things even more interesting. But you know, uh, never say never. We'll see what happens. But, <laughs> well, but we do like we do like clean choruses. So, yeah. uh, dude, that surprised me. We this is good route back to to uh, the single that was released in May. You know, you got Lee McKinney on that, so I definitely want to talk about that a little bit. But when that clean chorus hit, I wasn't expecting it. 
No. Because it was just so, like, genty and deathcore, and then, boom, it's like the air comes in. It, 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 was, it, it made the song breathe. So was that something, again, planned, I'm sure, you know? Was that planned for you guys? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was super intentional. Um, so actually, um, something that I used to listen to a lot when I was in high school was, like, uh, emo bands. I, I'm a huge emo fan. Nice. What, what can I do? And uh, so, yeah, I've always liked the super melodic choruses. I know that's kind of a turn off for uh, like deathcore fans, but you know, I, I just want to do my thing and, uh, and that's it. And uh, uh, so Luca, which is the um, guitar player and clean singer, uh, actually also plays guitar and sings in Prospective, uh, which is another very talented Italian band. Um, that I also produced uh, two records for, and uh, so uh, when I when I had the idea uh, to ask him, I was like, "That's the perfect guy for clean choruses." So yeah, yeah. So he sings in that band. I was I was listening to him the other day. Uh, I don't want to say it's a similar sound, but it's definitely in the room of, of the Wind Covenant. So, um, I mean, you handpicked that vocal, obviously knowing you were going to do clean vocals, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's that's definitely awesome. Yeah, because he he his voice reminds me a lot of the guitar player from uh, Silent Planet a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah, they like that super. I like just angelic. I like because when you hear the song, it's like you know very like genty, and then like the vocals, the the screams are very powerful, and then all of a sudden it just goes into that, and it's just like whoa, like it just yeah. takes you back. So I I thought that it was like a really nicely uh, done, um, just super well done in terms of just throwing the viewer off balance. And um, I, I think especially watching the music video, which was super engaging and you're so into the music and then all of a sudden the clean vocals come in, it just throws you through a loop. So what I was going to ask is, cause I know that obviously you've been around for a little while. Mm. These other band members have been around for a little while. Yep. How did you, um, because a lot of bands, right, like like a lot of first-time bands, they'll put out their first single, and it doesn't get 68,000 views on YouTube. Uh, what, do you, what do you attribute that to, that, um, that kind of success um, right off the bat? All right, so um, we definitely planned this uh, in detail. So we took yeah. the time to really figure out our strategy for the release. Um, mm. So we ran, we actually ran, well, first of all, we made sure that the songs were the absolute best we could do, both like songwriting wise and production wise. I did a ton of mixed versions. The, like the guys were, were uh, uh, they, they loved the, the first mixed version and I was like, okay, thank you. I'm happy you liked it. I'm just gonna uh, keep making 10 other version and, and like choose one myself. <laughs> You know, they they're now they're used to me like um, taking some time to do my own thing, but they respect that and they're uh, very happy with the result in the end. So yeah, as I said, we we made sure that the product was the absolute best we could do, and uh, after that we um, well we went to a, a great video director. We shot uh, a couple of videos. In fact, uh, the second one is already like ready to be released. Nice. Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, we made sure that the, uh, the pictures look professional. Everything was uh, as good as we do with the budget that we had. And then we uh, launched a pre-save campaign for, uh, for Spotify. So we actually did um, like a merch away kind of thing where people would uh, pre-save the song, send us the screenshot, tag us, 
and uh, they will be entered entered in this giveaway. So yeah, we gave away uh, three shirts. We had a bunch of pre-saves, and uh, I think that helped the uh, Spotify algorithm recognizing that uh, it was a a song that people were uh, waiting for. So more than, more than uh, YouTube, what surprised us was the the actual response on Spotify because it's actually um, it's actually reached the 10,000 monthly listeners on the first month which was way more than i had expected mm. but yeah yeah like the um, algorithmic playlists like um, release radar and uh, the other one uh, uh, i don't discover uh, weekly yeah, discover weekly right yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah um, mm. yeah and uh, as you said i've also made this playlist that we are kind of like um, you know, promoting right now because I think it's a it's a cool thing. Like uh, uh, both from a uh, fan perspective, like uh, people can know what we like, uh, what we were influenced by, and we also kind of can give something back to the community, like uh, helping some people. You know, get a few streams. Not not that you know, it's a huge playlist, but uh, we are doing what we can. And I think it's cool for bands to have their own playlist because uh, if the playlist grows. I think that you can also drop your new songs once it comes out, uh, mm -hmm. and and that will also help with the Spotify algorithm. So, yes, yeah. yeah, so I wanted to ask you about that because I think that is one thing that in the in the whole because there's there's so many different elements that go into marketing just a, a one song. There's there's mm. everything, but the one thing that I think often goes overlooked is the artist's own playlist. So mm -hmm. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that because that's something that I've been looking into for us is. Um, because we have a playlist of songs that we do like for the reaction channel, but it's not really like what we would listen to kind of like how the gent core playlist is. So how do you go, how do you go about marketing uh, a playlist? Cause I think that's kind of, kind of difficult to kind of do that is to market a playlist. So how do you go about doing that? All right. So, um, not actually super difficult. Uh, I had help from, uh, Giovanni from noiseless. Uh, who's a guy that, that's involved with uh, marketing for uh, like alternative bands, heavy bands. And uh, he's also the guy who helped us with our um, YouTube promotion. So uh, you can you can all get in touch with him uh, and I, I can give you like uh, the name so you can add the, uh, his link to the, to the description. But um, so we basically like uh, promoted it in two ways. First of all, I uh, posted it in um, a ton of Facebook groups saying just like, uh, here's my playlist. Um, if you guys like uh, gent, progressive metalcore and stuff like that, maybe you will like this. And uh, I also like uh, asked the people to submit their songs. I added some of them, uh, the ones that I thought had the best production value. So that's the thing that gave uh, that gave it the initial spark, let's say. And then we uh, kept promoting it on uh, Instagram stories. So that's it. Like people will just swipe up and go right to the playlist. Nice, yeah. Cause the, the swipe up, the swipe up on Instagram is very valuable, and uh, I cannot wait for the day that we get ten thousand followers and we can get that ourselves. Cause that swipe up, man, saves so much time for it, it's such a minor convenience, but it really works. Rather than you know, link in bio or whatever like yeah, that, they just sure. go whoop, and it's right there. So but yeah, that's that's. If you're promoting a post uh, or a story, you can actually add the swipe up. Uh, uh, even if you're not, if you if you don't have the ten thousand uh, subscribers. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. We're learning. Never, let's do that, Adam. We're learning something new every day over here. That's yeah. That's a good thing. That that's we're good. learning. <laughs> I can add it. 
Yeah, because I mean, even because the thing is, right, is that with playlists is that I know that you had said that, you know, it's not a huge playlist, but, you know, it's got, you know, 600 and some 600 something likes. But I would rather be on a playlist with 600 something likes than one with 100,000 likes and it's all bots. So I think that that's super it's super important um, because we've definitely run into that numerous times where. You know, we've uh, we've gotten involved with some uh, some less than uh, forthcoming uh, Spotify curators. And, you know, you see the hundred thousand followers and the profiles have 20 followers. And it's just like that doesn't make any sense. Why would this profile only have 20 followers when right. this playlist has all this? So, Absolutely. no, I, think that, I yeah, I think that that is super, super important. So as far as. um you know, the, the, the YouTube promotion, uh, you, I know that you had said that it, you guys really, really plan this out. And I, and I think that that's something that also goes overlooked with a lot of bands is just having some kind of a strategy. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, without dive, I don't want to give I don't want you to give away all of the juicy details, but what were some of your um, YouTube strategies? Well, I mean, uh, the, the, the main one is definitely getting the targeting right, like uh, targeting the right uh, audience. Because I've had uh, uh, bands that I produced in the past, uh, like uh, uh, running ads on their on their YouTube uh, videos, but getting uh, a ton of views and no engagement, like no likes and comments, because uh, maybe the targeting was too generic or uh, too broad or whatever, or maybe it was just plain right. So, for, so for example, if you're like uh, doing a, uh, if you have a gen song or video or whatever. And you like uh, uh, add metal to the interest while uh, uh, while setting the audience, then uh, it will show that video to like Metallica fans, which are not really uh, interested to your style. So right. you get if, even if you get like a ton of views, uh, it's basically pre- uh, people that are streaming the uh, just the ad before the actual video, but they're not gonna click uh, or uh, like look for your band and the song name to come to your video and leave a comment and add a like. So I really did not want to have like a, a million views on my video and uh, very few likes and comments. So I was very clear with the guy that helped us with marketing. Uh, I told him I want just real engagement and people that will actually like uh, enjoy uh, this content. So I think this is like the, the main thing and the only thing really. Um, then it just comes down to like the actual placement uh, there's different strategies for those who are into google ads but i suggest like uh talking with a with an expert about this kind of stuff i'm no expert yeah 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 no because youtube is actually i was talking to adam before this and in, in, in youtube stuff is stuff that i've been trying to kind of delve into because looking at like the google ads it's like super like it's like kind of broad in terms of like what you want to, to focus in on because it's like when you want to you can look. You can do like rock music, or there's right. there's not even like a metal category. It's like metal heads, and it's like, well, that's extremely broad. I mean, that could be Alice in Chains to Slaughter to Prevail, you know. So, um, no, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I definitely. Uh, if you want to, you should give us that contact. I'd love to talk to this gentleman about uh, some YouTube stuff. I, I mean, I'm using, you know, I'm using the podcast. I know for my own uh, satisfaction right now, but you know, that's okay. But um, so I wanted to ask you also about um, kind of breaking through because also I mean metal, metalcore, deathcore, gen in and of itself is already a niche kind of genre. Yep. What is that like in Italy? 
because you know we're over here in the U.S. and we complain that we're in a very small pocket of the U.S. Right. And, and we're like, this is tough. But I can in Italy. I mean, that's got to be very difficult to break through. No. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that that's opening a can of worms, really, because uh, actually the the metal scene here was like uh, pretty big. Um, up until a few years ago, we actually had a few bands like uh, becoming really big, like uh, Good Apocalypse. We had uh, Upon This Downing uh, and a bunch of others. And, uh, you know, lately, um, it's just uh, like an underground thing. Uh, there's no many, not many places that uh, do live shows yet. Uh, there's actually a, a very cool uh, uh, booking uh, like company that's called Versus, uh, who they like every year they do this festival called the Dissonance Festival and they bring in bands from all over the world like uh, bigger bands uh, like Northlane and uh, like the, the huge bands but apart from that there's not really like a, uh, like a, a big scene here so people and bands just like uh, looking at the internet or uh, looking to tour Europe and uh, get out of uh, like the uh, the small underground scene that's here. And I gotta say that some bands are actually uh, able to do that. Um, I've been fortunate enough to work with a few bands that have uh, gone viral, as I said, like Defame, The Drowning Sulfur, Sharks in Your Mouth. And uh, they actually can get the recognition recognition they deserve uh, on the internet and they eventually go on like touring Europe and I hope uh, in the future they will also do bigger things. But yeah, it's... Uh, I think it's harder than the U.S. I'm not sure because I'm not in the U.S., but we're, we're always grinding, so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Adam, were you going to say something? No, no, no. Go for uh, it. I, uh, yeah, I was just going to say, um, yeah, because, I because ha- you know, traditionally, um, you know, they, they what has been, you know, kind of what you know is that Europe is kind of a, a big metal uh you know, continent. Uh, the, the Europe is very it's more the, mainstream. The big, it's yeah, mainstream, the big but popular. It's, it's yeah, you know. the big festivals and and stuff like that. So I was curious as to um, that. I know that you had touched on you know using the internet and stuff like that, which I think is something that you know no matter where you are should be a goal of a band, especially in today's day and age. One mm-hmm. being twenty twenty, and two obviously COVID is just totally throwing a, a, a wrench in everything. But um, I think that th- there's still this, um, like, uh, I don't know. There, there's, like, this huge emphasis on needing to play shows to build popularity. And I don't think that's necessarily the way that it has to be done anymore. Would you Would you agree with that? Um, yes. <laughs> I mean, uh, I like that. Um, I know that bands want to play shows and I understand that and I respect them and I think that's the like probably the most fun part for uh, for most people oh, yeah. but um, sometimes it's not the most effective uh, like if you're touring and opening with uh, and opening for a bigger band then probably it is uh, if you're playing the right venues uh, in the right, right country it probably is um, if you're playing like for a, um, you know in a small venue in the middle of nowhere in a country where there's like uh, 10,000 metal fans overall, you know that's that's not really gonna move the needle. So uh, you can you can do both absolutely. Um, no one said that you should do like just one or the other. I think you should definitely do both. Uh, but like 
probably the internet nowadays uh, just offers more option for uh, a lot of people. There's a ton of talented people that, um, you know, hasn't really played a big gig, but they're super talented. So, you know, they deserve the recognition, I think. So, so keeping in mind of the internet, right? So Lee McKinney, right? Uh -huh. Not, he's, he's in the U S he's on your track. Right. I'm sure there's some, you know, there's a marketing aspect of that. You know, it's a name aspect. I know he also does uh, production as well, but uh, he's a Kiesel artist. Uh, um, if anybody knows me and knows I'm a Kiesel fan, but he I know he did have some home home time. Right. That he was basically saying, hey, if people want projects done, production or you know, guest solos or anything like that. Um, you know, was it recent that, that you kind of contracted him to say or, or, or said, hey, man, you want to be on a feature on our track? Or was that something that you guys had done, a, a, you know, a couple of years ago? Or tell me about the process of, of getting him on the track. Yeah, um, I think the uh, the guest solo was done like, uh, pretty, I, I'm not sure, but I think last year uh, in the autumn or end of the summer. Um well, yeah. Well, first of all, um, we didn't really want to get a, um, you know, a guest that wasn't really uh, a fit for the project. We really did want someone who was perfect for it, and we were uh, uh, influenced by, uh, as you can hear from the song "Born of Osiris," "Veil of yep. Maya," and, uh, yeah, you know that kind of style. So we grew up listening to his songs, and um, uh, I actually got to know to meet him uh, at the NAMM show in 2019, uh, which oh, I cool. yeah, yeah. And uh, and then uh, later on that year, I hit him up, sent sent him an email and uh, mm. the tracker and um, and said, hey, hey, this is the uh, the project I'm working on. Would you uh, like to feature on the song? And he loved it. I I'm sure he is a uh, very picky with the projects that he takes on. And uh, so yeah, first of all, I was very happy that he said yes. And uh, he starts like the, the first version, uh, we were like blown away by it. Uh, we, we thought it was perfect. And uh, yeah, I actually had the chance to meet him again at the NAMM show uh, in January. So I, I had the chance to thank him personally. And uh, yeah, he was also stoked about the track coming out. So yeah, overall a very uh, cool experience. Now, he did the only solo on the track, right? Because there's only one. There was a couple of, I guess you could say there were kind of two parts to it, but he did the whole thing, right? Yeah, he did. Yep. No, that was awesome. Uh, we are, like, I'm not a super uh, shreddy technical guitar player. Like, um, I like, uh, you know, uh, strange rhythm patterns and the riffs, uh, but I'm not like the, the sweep uh, guy. Um the the clean singer Luca is actually a super technical guitar player and uh, he he is that guy and uh, in fact in other tracks we'll have uh, uh, him play some solos yeah he's super technical stuff nice yeah I'm I'm on the the other side of that I'm not a super technical guy either you know more riffy I'm a riffy guy yeah you know to each his own like I I I like the overall composition thing uh, I like to do sound design um all you know the effects. Uh, the, the the overall thing, but um, mm. I I never like trained really hard to be the the technical guy. Yeah, yeah. I think the sound design is something that's uh, I think very interesting because it's it's nice to get more than just uh, guitar and drum music. I think when you add in the uh, you know kind of the, the the synths and the and the different kind of um, as you would as you call it sound design is really interesting. Uh, but uh, what I was going to ask before I got into that was. 
can we expect any more kind of uh, cameos from either guitar solos or vocals for any of the other upcoming uh, tracks that you want to disclose? Uh, I would like to disclose it, but I think my, my bandmates wouldn't want me to. But okay, so there, have, there is. There is. Yeah, yeah, there is. There's two. <laughs> There's two, There's and two. I'm super, oh. yeah, I'm super excited about them. Um, yeah, like nice. I, I can I can say, I mean, one we're not really sure because he said yes, but he didn't send the tracks yet, so we we, we we're, still used yep. yeah. we're used to that. Yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm super excited about those. Uh, I think the next song we're gonna release uh, will not have a feature because we kind of want to do our own thing, but sure. we definitely release some more with feature uh, down the road. I think you know, besides the the marketing thing. Uh, uh, which is it's not really my point. Like, uh, if you want to reach an audience um, for another artist, you can like nowadays you can uh, run ads on their stuff. So uh, for me, it's it's more like um, you know a collaboration thing uh, where I want to work and uh, actually like be creative with people that I um, you know uh, how can you say uh, that I respect artistically. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that's you know, something that makes me happy more than uh, um, a marketing thing, per se. Yeah, because that's what I was going to ask, because I think, because uh, we had a guest feature on our song Paradigm, which was Aiden Holmes from the band, well, the now defunct band Dealer. Okay. Uh, and um, I was going to ask you, because we got asked all the time, you know, did you see a lot of, um, you know, kind of... Uh, did you see any uptick in, in views or whatnot from that? And to be honest, I don't really think so. Um, so I was going to ask you for that because I know uh, for me it was really, like you said, more of a collaboration right. thing. It adds in that element of the song um, that fits really well, as did Lee McKinney's solo in your song. Right. So did, yeah. did, did you see by virtue of having Lee McKinney on that maybe you saw a little bit more of an uptick in, in views or notoriety at all? Uh, well... <laughs> Since it's our first single, we didn't really have anything to compare it to, so I'm not sure <laughs> about true. that. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, maybe just having the name, uh, like you said, um, gives people the impression that the, the product is good, even before they click, uh, they click it. But uh, that's, that's pretty much it. I don't think it got like a, a ton of streams just uh, for people yeah. looking for his name. But uh, So I think it's more of a, you know, Something that people uh, see and they're uh, they get interested by it. Maybe you know they will click it and uh, and see what's up. Yeah. So go go back to the sound design thing. And this may be a very uh, silly question because I'm not at all into production at all. That stuff is <laughs> way way over my head. I mean, I sit here with a MIDI keyboard and I cannot figure out how to work the thing. So I'm very I'm not good at that stuff at all. I, I'm more of the marketing guy. So, for example, if a band came to you, you know, with, as I called it, you know, guitar and drum music, what are, like, some of the things that you look for in the music as far as a sound design standpoint? Like, um, are there certain elements of a song that you maybe look for when adding certain sound design things? Like, what's your process with that? All right. So, uh, first of all, the, the main thing is uh, um, understanding where the band wants to go. So, uh, I wouldn't do like effects and scenes uh, the same way for a like melodic deathcore band band like Defamed uh, as a world with a like trap metal um, yeah. project. Like recently, I did uh, uh, scenes uh, and sound design for Within Destruction for the whole yeah. record oh, that's coming up. Yeah. yeah, so that was a completely different thing because uh, um, they they were 
uh, they wanted to go like the um, trap metal kind of kind of thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it was a completely different project, uh, and uh, mm-hmm. the, the thing, the first thing is understanding what the band wants and the, and where they want to go. And uh, when you get that idea, you can like uh, start getting um, ideas from themes, like if they have uh, vocal themes or riffs, uh, maybe like uh, you know uh, solos or like licks that stick out. Uh, uh, you can build from there and develop like uh, pads, uh, strings, uh, sections that maybe create um, a nice uh, ambience to the part. And you can also uh, add additional layers, additional rhythm patterns uh, if the the section adds uh, like needs more movement and, and stuff like that. So there's really not a formula uh, to what I do. I just get inspired by the song and their style and try to pick both the parts um, to fit the arrangement and the sounds that will uh, like be the best fit uh, stylistically. So for example, if the band is super technical, maybe. Um, I would probably do some easier uh, like arrangements so that it, they don't clutter the mix too much. Uh, whereas if they're like, um, uh, you know, they, if they're heavy but uh, have slow riffs, uh, kind of like a beat down thing, maybe I can get more creative and uh, add more stuff, more rhythm, rhythmic stuff. So it, it depends on a project by project basis. And uh, of course, sometimes bands have their own request. They will ask you to use uh, some specific instruments. Uh, or sometimes you just get super creative and wild. Uh, um, for example, in the last breakdown in Circles by the Famed, we added horns uh, for some reason because we wanted it to be like super epic. Uh, and, uh, yeah, if you if you listen back to it in in the final breakdown, there's horns. Um, but, but yeah, and um, we we had we have an idea for the next uh, material they're gonna record here, but I don't want to disclose too much because. Uh-huh. That, like that that's the the part of the the job where I sometimes go uh crazy and uh super creative that's really cool, yeah, because that's something that we've personally been trying to i guess um delve a little bit more into is adding those different layers and and synths or orchestral stuff to kind of really give it more of like a because um, we're super inspired by like bands such as like August Burns Red and as I lay dying, who really don't do a lot of that stuff. Right. Uh, they they they're really just kind of I'm not saying bare bones, but I mean they're guitar, drums, bass, vocals. They don't really add in a lot of like the orchestral elements or anything like that. But uh, the little that we have done, it really adds a nice flavor to it, and it and it, it, it I think in a live experience, which we kind of touched on a little bit, I think adding those elements will make the live like sound sonically just sound way bigger and heavier. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it makes the, the live experience so much better. Uh, also because you can also use like uh, interludes and uh, and stuff between songs. So it doesn't be weird when people clap and you're like tuning the guitar and wait for uh, the drummer to uh, to call the next song. But, but yeah, yeah, I think it adds like another uh, layer of, um, uh, you know, it, it adds something interesting to the live performance as well. So definitely. Nice. Have you guys had a chance to perform as a band live yet? I mean, I, I know you just released the single. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. We haven't because of COVID, of course. So yeah, we right. released it in May. So it's impossible for us at the moment. And uh, yeah. we did some uh, uh, rehearsals, of course. Uh, but it's it's kind of uh, difficult for us to 
it, it was kind of difficult for us to do that because uh, our drummer for uh, uh, like a year and a half, he moved to Australia, so we were working remotely. But yeah, he was, oh. he's, a, he's a super talented drummer. So since we hadn't started, like we hadn't released anything, uh, we just wanted to wait and see what would happen. And now he's back to Italy. But, uh, you know, all the members are super busy with their own thing, uh, their other bands. So we're not like um, actively looking for gigs right now. Uh, because Also because we have just one song out for the, um, at the moment. So yeah. I think we'll wait um, a few months and then see what happens. Uh, we'll, we definitely like to, uh, we'll, we'd like to do shows. The other band members would love that. To me, it's more about the production side of thing. Like I, I like to be yeah. creative, being in the studio, write things. And uh, I, I, I did my fair share of live shows with my old bands, and uh, I like that. But you know, it, it's not. I'm, I'm not the touring guy, if that makes sense. No, it definitely uh, is. I mean, we both, Rich and I, you know, we have kids. I got, I have two. He's got one, and um, you know, we. I think so. This was Rich's first band. I was in bands, you know, ten years ago when I was, you know, at, you know, back into high school, early in, co- in university, college, university, and you know, I think at this point, you know, like you said in the beginning, you know, in, in another conversation, unless you're on a a good tour package, you know, just going on tour to say you're going on tour and playing to twenty or you know thirty people a night in some back end, you know, alley venue. Um, you know, there's value there if you're really treating it like a vacation, right? But I think if you're going to treat it like a business, you, you want to go out there and have a purpose for going out there. Um, so we, we, I think we can kind of share that a little bit where, you know, it's, it's not all about just being on the road. I mean, there's a, there's fun, but yeah, there's definitely, I think a difference going on a, a two week tour with a bunch of fellow local bands and a two week run with August Burns Red. I right. think there's a, a stark difference right. between that. Yeah. Um, so I think that that is definitely, because what we have seen in our local scene right now is that, you know, there's some venues around that are kind of uh, doing like, you know, like the 50% capacity thing. And there's people that are like just dying to play a show. And I, and not that I'm saying that COVID is a good thing, definitely not. Right. But what I was going to say is that in a way for us, it really allowed us to take a step back, really like focus on songwriting and the songs and really um, come back when shows are available with a, a more refined, a much better set list. I so. mean, I think that a concert like shows are more fun when there's a lot of people having fun there. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm not even sure if like, uh, if uh, um, shows where I think right now, People will actually go there and be like and feel safe and actually have fun. So that's that's the thing. But you know, um, speaking in general, I don't think it's bad that uh, people like bands want to play uh, small shows. I think that's a that's that, that's fine if they want to have fun. Uh, I just think that maybe it's not something that always moves the needle. Like it's not that the more shows you play, the bigger it gets. So uh, as you said, uh, when you kind of grow older and uh, have other priorities like <laughs> job and family, you kind of start to pick your own battles. Yeah. And uh, that, that's pretty much it. As long as you're like, when you're young and reckless, you you will just play anywhere. And that's fine. And that's also fun. So, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. no, I, 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 I would agree. I, I definitely, sh- I, it, it's no, it's no, no secret that shows are definitely fun. It's just, um, it's really how you want to do your own project. But, um, so I gotta say though, uh, taking that, I'm not saying because obviously you want to make the songs as best as you can, but um, did did anybody kind of in you know, in Italy or, or around you kind of know about the project? Because, I mean, to hold in all of this uh, material for that long must have been difficult to, like, years and years of writing and, and having all this material that you haven't released yet. That must have been difficult to kind of keep that a secret, so to speak. Uh, mm-hmm. It wasn't actually a secret. Like, we didn't release anything, of course, but mm-hmm. I was talking to people that I knew about uh, this project mm-hmm. that I was working on. And I did that intentionally because I wanted them to be hyped uh, when the right. actual song would be released. <laughs> so I, I think that nowadays you don't really have to be like to keep things secret. I think that um, the, the, the model that the, the bands, uh, the band just releases one bigger song and then goes silent after and then goes silent for a few months and then release another bigger one. Yeah, I mean, that's cool, but um, it doesn't really always work because uh, um, like social media algorithms are a thing and I think you guys know that because you're like doing reaction stuff and which I think is super smart for, for like uh, for your band as well so it, uh, this project wasn't a secret we just uh, uh, waited to we, we were just waiting to uh, release something that we were really happy about that's it yeah, because because I, I think that that unless you're I think a, a huge huge band, uh, I, I you know we've referenced As I Lay Dying a few times, but if you're them, I mean you can be quiet for ten years literally almost, and sure. and, and and come back with a song and people will lose their minds. But if you're an up and coming developing artist, I think it's super smart to do the the pre save campaigns, you know the teaser videos, the lead up, the build up, because. I mean, if nobody knows who you are and you're like keeping it like a secret, like I don't want anybody to know about my new song and then you release it, I don't think people are going to like lose their minds in the same way that they would for, you know, a bigger band. So I think that the pre-save campaigns are super smart and um, and things like that, because like you said, with the reaction channel, and we've said this on numerous podcasts already, that was super intentional. It was, it was, uh, I want me and Adam to do this because... Adam and I are, um, you know, it's kind of like you and the screamer for your band. You're kind of at the forefront of it. You're kind of, you know, I guess uh, leading the charge, so to speak. So I said, Adam, I, I really want, because I'm not a, really a musician. I, I just been yelling in the car for the last 10 years. So I figured I could probably join a band and try to do <laughs> as best as I could. But Adam, Adam knows a lot of the technical elements. So I said, Adam, how interesting would it be if we had me and you kind of offering two different perspectives mm. and we re and we react to music that is in the same sphere as ours. So that hopefully it's kind of like a Facebook ad, right? You're hoping that you're targeting that audience so that when you, when you release a song by virtue, you'll have some carryover. So, um, I, I think a lot of marketing techniques like that. Um, and also even just pre-save giveaways, cause we did a Nintendo switch light, a super like, uh, it's just one of those items that a lot of people could really enjoy. It's not like, uh, yep. you know what I mean? So I, I think that um, the whole keeping a lid on the stuff before it's released is, in a way, it's it's almost hurting yourself. Because like you said, the way the algorithms work nowadays. Right. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad that somebody echoes that sentiment of uh, 
you know, trying to promote the music as much as you can leading up to it. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, uh, I also wanted to say that I actually used some snippets and riffs uh, of the, the, our song in some of my own YouTube videos where I sometimes like demo plugins and do stuff like that. And I think that helped, uh, like, creating a bit of hype. Not much, but, you know, uh, it's like giving some, some you know, uh, a taste of something to people. And then they, they'll want more. Um, but besides that, I, I also wanted to say that I think uh, this thing uh, uh, you guys are doing, both the reaction and the podcast, is super cool. Because besides the, uh, what, uh, like, what you get back from it, uh, which is like engagement on your channel. I think this is something that goes beyond it because it's actually like building real relationship with people. Like if you if you think about it, how cool is that that we are connecting together and we are like talking about the scene in Italy and what you guys are doing uh, over the internet. That that blows my mind. So uh, this is I think this is what like music should really be about. And uh, while doing so, like while uh, building your own channel and community. You are also doing one, so that's like that's the best of both worlds, in my opinion. Absolutely, and I mean, yeah, building those relationships are what's um, what's which is also really important because I mean, for example, you know, we had as Adam mentioned, if I were you one, and now we're you know their their drummer, um, he's a he's a produ- yeah. he's a producer as well, and we've never we've never actually gone into a studio environment to record anything. We recorded all all ourselves in Adam's basement, and we. Uh, send it out to be mixed and mastered by Lance Prank from Australia. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, he, that, so the production on all of our songs is from him and because his, his, his Not production, the, EP, the last two singles, the EP, yeah, the la- um, Ricky Armolino did it. And you know, I think it was, uh, it was good for what we had done then. So, um, yeah, absolutely. So, but yeah, the production on those two singles is done by him. And I think that he's an extremely talented, uh, audio engineer, but, um, what I was gonna say is we've had we had them on the podcast and now we're gonna be going to do a single with him and mm-hmm. like what what I what I was super interested to talk to you about was the sound design thing because I mean think about it right like if we can get into like this groove or we we record with Randy we have it mixed and mastered by Lance we get some sound design from Federico I mean that's a Absolutely. that's a that's a that's a triumphant trio of uh, talented people right there yeah, yeah. I love uh, that oh actually I. I've just finished working with Lance uh, on the record, which is the uh, the new Within Destruction record. Like I did the sound design, but he just mastered it. Oh, so, really? That's yeah. awesome, oh, man. That's awesome. His I, like I I just remember when we got our first mix back for for Paradigm, and I listened to it. And I was just like, whoa. <laughs> like I it's... I don't know what he does, but he gets the noise floor so high. That like it's just it, it's gonna break your head. His mixes are super aggressive and loud. So yeah. So the other thing I wanted to ask you would be because I asked Randy this from If I Were You as well. So what's your uh, so you uh, as a producer uh, when you're in the studio what do you, what is your kind of um, sweet spot for what bands come in with material wise? Do you want them to come in with you know say if they're working on an album do you want them to come in with you know a good chunk of the album already written or do you like to write some songs with the bands or what is kind of like your like if they come in with this, what it like you're most comfortable with it? Okay, uh, it, it definitely depends on the band, uh, on the style, and how talented they are, in my opinion. Because they're like I've had uh, uh, the pleasure of working with uh, people that were so talented that I honestly would have not 
uh, added anything to their stuff. Like sometimes, <laughs> like sometimes uh, uh, a genre will be so specific. Like um, I work with this band called Blackson. They're on Feminine Records, and uh, they're like uh, genty mathcore kind of stuff, like uh, Tony Danza or Glass Cloud or stuff oh, like that. Nice. Wow. That that stuff is so crazy that um, if you want to produce that that thing, you're either like in the head of the guitar player, or you're as technical as he is, or uh, like you will just let him do his thing. So it really depends on on uh, what I'm working on at the moment. Um, mm. So yeah, as I said, for very specific bands, sometimes I will not like add anything because I think they're already like uh, better than I would have done. But uh, with other bands, yeah, um, I sometimes have wrote full records for them. But uh, wow. that's like everything in between. Uh, mm. I, I, I definitely prefer it when bands uh, come with demos. Um, so, yeah, things that are like 90% there and, and it's the best that they can do. And I kind of take it from there and say, okay, maybe let's change the structure a little bit. This breakdown doesn't really hit super hard, so let's maybe try something new. Let's add some synths here. Let's change the vocal melody, add some harmonies and stuff. So um, it really is uh, all over the place. And uh, I'm actually in a record right now where I uh, co-wrote uh, um, all the songs with the band, uh, me and the, uh, the main singer. And it's like, um, you know, I think those are the, the situations where you get more more. Uh, creative because you can like try a bunch of weird stuff so for example in this case uh, it's kind of a pop project uh, with heavy guitars uh, so we kind of found uh, a guitar tone that sounds like a bass or something uh, and it's fun because it's uh, something you haven't heard before uh, in other productions so it it has a different like uh, frequency spectrum you can fit more sounds in it you can fit like different um uh, arrangement elements. Um, so you know, I like to get creative, and honestly, the uh, the amount of creativity I can put into a project really depends on uh, on people that I have in front of me. Sometimes they they don't really like that I'm uh, super hands on on the songs. They kind of want to do their own thing, and I respect that. Uh, if I understand that they, they uh, want to uh, like come up with ideas on their own. I will just tell them maybe try some uh, like other ideas for this section, and they will uh, come back to the studio with another riff, and uh, more times it will be better. So, um, I think a producer should be should understand uh, also the, the psychology of the the person he has in front of him, um, and yeah, that plays a role. So I I like people to have a good experience, and I like to. Uh, make good music. I think uh, the producer and the artist should be on the same team. So the most important thing is communication. And when the producer and artist can communicate uh, correctly, uh, that's when uh, like people are happy to work together and uh, the song turn out uh, their best, in my opinion. Nice. That's that's interesting to me that a lot of bands, um, well, not a lot, but you said that some bands will come in and, and kind of want to do their own thing. I would love like to go because. As Adam and I have said, we said this to Galactic Criminal in our last podcast too. We listen to our own song, as you know, like for the Wind Covenant. You listen to that song eight million times before anybody hears it one time. So I, I think that having a producer on board that kind of gets you outside of that echo chamber of like this riff's awesome, this riff's awesome, that arrangement's awesome, that breakdown hits hard. I think that that would be a very valuable thing. So it's interesting to me that some bands come to you and they're like. We want to do our own thing. 
and that's it. So that that's really interesting to me. I would think that mm. having a producer, you would want that you know fifth or sixth set of ears uh, on the project. Absolutely. Um, you know, sometimes uh, I only just uh, mix and master stuff that people uh, record themselves, like you guys have done. So it depends, I think, also on the the budget the band has, uh, um, and as I said, on the. Uh, what point they're at in their musical journey. Sometimes they'll be more open to new ideas. Sometimes they just want to, you know, to get out uh, of their head uh, the ideas that they have in that uh, time frame. So I think, you know, um, sometimes they, they just want to do their, their thing, and I think that's fine. But I totally get what you mean. Like, I listen to Damnation a thousand times, and uh, sometimes <laughs> I was like, I was like, this stuff is so boring. I'm not going to put it out. But I was like... You know, sometimes you just get the the uh, you get used to that. You don't even know if it's good or not anymore. And uh, right. I think it's uh, part of the reason um, why it took us so long, why it took me so long to uh, finish the production and mix, because to be uh, as as objective as possible with your own material, you kind of need to take breaks from it. So um, it's definitely not something that I have worked on every day of the last three years. Sometimes I will just like um, leave them uh, for a month and then come back with a like you know a fresh mindset, mm. and I think it works. Like taking breaks from uh, from stuff definitely um, makes you uh, better when you come back to it uh, and more objective. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, do you have any you know cool projects that you're working on right now that you know? you can name drop that you know maybe some of our listeners or, or viewers here can go check out uh that you're working on or you have worked on um, or, um yeah some cool stuff i think as i said the um within the structure record that's dropping on dropping on august uh 12 i think nice. uh mm. yeah that's definitely something that i'm really stoked on there's some great uh songs they definitely are, uh, they have changed from their previous stuff, but they're still super heavy. So I think uh, within Destruction fans will be um, will be still happy about the material, um, even though of course there's a different aesthetic and uh, an overall theme. And uh, uh, then Defamed uh, will be dropping new music very soon. That's definitely one of the uh, bands I have most fun working with. Mm. And uh, I'm working with Sharks in Your Mouth again. That's uh, another metalcore band from Italy. They're releasing a new song um, that we just recorded vocals for a couple of days ago. Nice. And uh, I'm I'm also doing some very interesting uh, uh, pop albums, but you know nothing that I think your audience uh, uh, will recognize because for pop um, I mainly work with Italian artists that sing in Italian, so it's kind of a completely different market. Yeah, when I was I was doing some research, I was trying to find some interviews with you, and I did, and they were n nothing I could understand, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, I saw you had one that was in yeah. in Italian, but it had it did have the English subtitles. I, yeah, I, I lost them about halfway through or, or quarter way through or something like that. So, uh, I was actually I, when you had said sharks in your mouth, I thought I was like, I think I have a song by them on my in my library, and I do. It's the Lose Yourself uh, cover yeah, that they did. Did you, did you work on that or? Yeah, that song blew up. Like yeah, we, had no idea, we had no idea about that, and I think it just surpassed uh, uh, five million streams on YouTube like two months ago, and it's almost at uh, six right now. So I don't know how that stuff happened. 
we had no control over it. It just blew just up. Blew up. Just so, like, yeah. And I think that people right now are uh, using it on TikTok. Like it went viral on TikTok as well. Oh wow! Cool. So it's still it's still yeah. going viral even years later. There's a, there's a lot of bands with sharks in the title. You got sharks in your mouth, feeder to the sharks, shark and fat. It's like what's up with these sharks they're and metal? They're dangerous and heavy. Yeah, they're yeah they're they're aggressive. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea about that. I think they got their name from one uh, uh, "I Killed the Prom Queen" song. Yeah, oh really? Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. So and speaking then, of. I was actually going to ask. I was going to mention one other thing, but the, the other thing that the other you had mentioned were names. Where did the Wind Covenant name come from? We probably should have asked that like an hour ago. But all right, so um, it doesn't really have a, a very deep meaning. It's just a, a combination of words that I thought sounded cool. Uh, I went over a thousand names, and honestly, it's the one that I preferred. I think it's it kind of has that uh, he eerie vibe that I wanted all the songs to have. And um, yeah. all the bands thought it was a good fit, and we kept it. That's that's it. That's all right. Our name came from uh, a place in the game World of Warcraft. So it, it you know, it, it, the, the names come from uh, you know, from wherever. It doesn't yeah. really. I mean, there's a lot of silly band names like the Devil Wears Prada and stuff like that. So, um, what I was gonna say though, Adam, you know, when we when we work with Lance, we really benefit a lot from the conversion rate monetarily, but. In Italy, they have the euro, so we're getting a little screwed if we ever use uh, Federico for some sound design, because the U.S. dollar is not as powerful over there like it is in Australia. It's great to send Lance uh, some USD to AUD. <laughs> Stop giving the we... secret away. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's great, but you have the euro, because I was actually looking at that. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's the euro, but I want to make sure. Is it, what is it, that, like 25% more now or something? It's, uh, I think it said that for every one U.S. dollar, it's 89 cents for the euro. So it, it's right, close. So, it's yeah, comparable. So it's 11% difference. It's, it's something it's, like that, but you know, if 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 you want to make this happen, we'll find a way to make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> Don't <right>. worry. <laughs> no, so, because I I really think the sound design is valuable. But go ahead, Adam. What were you gonna say? So I was gonna say. So I mean, I've seen you use some plugins. Um, do you partner with any of these these plugins? Um, you know, when we typically give you a, uh, the floor at the end, but I like to talk about some of the the technologies that you know bands use. So tell me a little bit about. Um, you know the plugins and, and stuff that you that you use or you might be partnered with. All right, so I'm I'm not actually endorsed by any company, and uh, as I mentioned, I do like uh, um, I have my own YouTube channels where I sometimes upload right. some weird stuff or uh, some creative stuff like different covers, uh, or uh, um, as I said, like uh, demo plugins and reviews. That's not something like um, yeah, I'm not. Sometimes uh, they'll send me plugins to demo. Uh, but it's not like I have an endorsement with right. one company or I have to uh, speak highly of them. I just honestly, <laughs> uh, one thing that I do is I review only stuff that I like because, uh, you know, I don't really like to uh, talk uh, shit about uh, stuff that I don't like. I think that right. maybe other people will like it. So if I don't like something, I will just not, you know, uh, mm. not upload it on my channel. That's it. Um, so, yeah. Stuff that I review is stuff that I like, and mainly uh, lately I've been blown away by the um, guitar plugin by STL Tones. Uh, STL Tonality is amazing, in my opinion. Uh, Neural DSP, of course, is great. Uh, um, you know, 
those are the main two ones that I am most stoked on at the moment. In fact, I actually have a, a camper on my studio, but uh, since the guys at STL Tones released the Tonality, which is kind of like a camper in a plugin, let's say, yep. Yep. Uh, I haven't turned on my camper in like uh, one month and a half. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it's it's working great. Sometimes I'll do um, like rear reamps with uh, real amps and stuff. I have uh, my uh, EVH add, my Mesa cab and stuff like that at another studio here in town. Yep. Uh, but you know, like nowadays plugins are great. Um, they they work fantastically. That's. Do Do you find that you're using more of the, you know. You know, plug-in modeling software rather than the real amps and cabs in in a lot of the bands that you may work with, or do you do you still still that mix? Because there's still some hardcore. If it doesn't have a tube in it, it's not a real amp type thing. Um, I'm very big into the digital um, production just because a you know I can go to a show with a 16U rack case, and that's literally all we bring uh, outside of drums. So. Uh, do you, do you see a little bit more of that in the industry, um, or, or do you still see that that split? I mean, uh, um, I think that plugins, as I said, sound great nowadays, uh, and I'll definitely use them on a lot of mixes, and I have no problem with that. Uh, I think that as long as stuff sounds great, uh, uh, it's great, no matter uh, where it comes from. Mm. Sometimes uh, I, I like to use real amps because for some specific type of sounds, it's easier and quicker to get them uh, with real amps, like I think even with high gain guitars, um, it's a bit easier maybe to get them to be uh, a bit uh, cleaner, if mm. it makes sense, without like nasty resonances in the high frequency range. Whereas with plugins, you kind of have to like clean uh, weird frequencies sometimes. But mm. that's not always the case. That depends on the arrangement, on uh, how the guitar player uh, played this part. Like sometimes uh, when the guitar play, uh, player has a strong picking hand, um, mm. it's best to use real amps. But when it has a soft picking hand, like maybe the plugin will help like uh, um, having a, a more uh, glued guitar sound, if that makes sense. Yeah, the articulation, you can hear, you know, different notes and stuff. And Exactly. So, yeah, it depends on the dynamic and uh, on uh, on the arrangement, in my opinion. But I like to use everything. Uh, I think everything has uh, its own place. And, of course, if we are talking like metalcore or modern mixes like this one, um, you know, you can totally get away with plugins, I think. If you're doing like different genres, maybe more organic uh, kind of productions, mm. I, know, I don't know. I haven't done many of those lately, but... Uh, for those, I kind of tend to use real amps, but not really for a um, for for the sound itself, but more for the experience. Like uh, bands love to get in the studio, actually play with uh, like together in a room and set up amps. And uh, I think sometimes part of like producing a record is also like um, capturing an experience and capturing a moment. So. Right. Whatever is uh, like gives the best vibe for the uh, the art uh, is the right thing to do. Um, for example, in uh, in uh, in Domination, the guitars were done with a camper. That's it. Um, so no like strange uh, stuff or uh, yeah, like esoteric weird uh, reamps. But yeah, I've totally done other mixes where I uh, will reamp with uh, real amps. Maybe use multiple mics. Sometimes I layer real amps with one layer from camper. Mm. Sometimes I'll do 
like real ham um like real high gain amps uh, with a like kind of crunchy clean vox uh, ac30 kind of sound to give to give it a, a bit more dynamics so you know whatever is right for the for the record in my opinion nice see this guy know this guy knows what he's talking about so now I, what i'm going to do is after the podcast talk to adam about uh cuz the sound design thing is super interesting to me that that, that that's what i when I when I talked to you, I really wanted to talk about that because when I was when I was initially kind of yeah. looking into your your background, that that was what really stuck out to me, um, because um, I don't know if um, a lot of uh, I don't know if that's as prevalent uh, with a lot of like metal metalcore producers is the emphasis on not the emphasis but part of your portfolio being sound design, but um, yeah, this was awesome. I really enjoyed talking to you, Federico. I'm sure that Adam that feels the same oh, way. I I, I was yeah. excited for this. I was bummed we had to reschedule. But uh, yeah, man. So, anyways, go ahead. Uh, plug away. The floor is yours. Um, yeah. Go, yeah. Go what, for what do you got upcoming? Anything? Well, uh, uh, I guess if uh, people who are watching want to know more about me, they can go to my website, which is uh, www.federicoscari.com, which is just my name and last name.com, uh, or they can go to my YouTube channel, which is uh, youtube.com/federicoscariaudio. And uh, that's it. Or you can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, on all social media. I uh, like to be pretty active on all socials. So definitely get in touch and uh, feel free to say hi. Awesome. Awesome. uh, Do do we have a release date yet for the Wind Covenant? We don't. Okay. uh, I was going to say, you don't have to tell us, but there is more coming. I think we'll wait... uh, a bit because uh, we want to uh, like release uh, some other things related to damnation, and then uh, yeah, we'll release another video, and I'm sure you guys are the first one to know. <laughs> Sweet, love it. Sounds good. Well, love Federico, it. thank you so much, man. We really appreciate yeah, the time. Yeah, this was awesome. And uh, yeah, man, thank well, you. Thank you, guys. All right, take care. All right. See you. Thank you so much if you made it to this point of the podcast. We really appreciate appreciate it. it. Both Adam and I do a lot. Very much. Make sure, if you want to support the podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. And also make sure you share this podcast wherever you can. Unlike music, which we are more so used to promoting, these platforms don't really do a whole lot to help podcasts be promoted. So the really only way to do so is to, like I said, share it, word of mouth. And also, if you want to support us even further, like we said, we are a band called True Shot. Stream our music, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to music. And if you want to support us even more than that, we have a merch store, trueshot.bigcartel.com, where you can go to pick up some merch from us. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.